The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Mara McDonald is someone I connected with over Instagram. She's a former teacher turned business mentor. Whenever she first started in her business, she tried to help anyone she could. She quickly learned this didn't work out like she thought and decided to show up as her authentic self, which turned into her niching down. Now she is specifically a business mentor for ambitious and anxious women. She has struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and depression her whole life. Turns out being authentic to who she was helped her find the people she could serve best, ambitious and anxious women just like herself. Today, we get to hear her story of her path of resistance and how pushing through it has led to a life she previously dreamed of, but now gets to live. Hi, Mara. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Let's dive right in. So my first question I always ask everybody is what is an example of a time that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result? Oh, this is a good one. So I actually have like two examples, um, one in personal slash business life and one in strictly business. So like that first one would be, I am a former high school teacher and I loved teaching. Like I loved it. Never imagined I would leave. Um, and then I had my daughter and I was, I'm even when I had my daughter, I still did not intend on leaving teaching. Um, and then I walked into my classroom, my day back from maternity leave. And I was excited, like really excited. And as soon as I got in my classroom, I just knew my heart wasn't in it. Um, but it was really hard for me because teaching was my passion. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I love to do. Why am I not feeling that spark? And I knew deep down that I should be leaving the classroom. I knew that that was my sign that I need to be home with my daughter. Um, but there's a lot of resistance with it, both internally and externally. Like in my in my own mind, I was like, no, don't do this. This is secure. Um, you're 10 years in, you have a retirement with this. You are well-established. I won like awards for teacher of the year and things like that. And, but the other part of me, my heart was saying I need to be home. And then also externally with like, my parents were very supportive. My husband was very supportive, but I remember I went to go put in my letter of resignation and the principal of my school, who I love and adore in case she's listening to us, um, nothing against her whatsoever. But I remember she said to me, she was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like you put six years of education and thousands of dollars into this and you're, you have part of your pension. And she's like, are, are you sure this is what you want to do? And so I just remember all that resistance. Um, and I still went for it and it turned out being something beautiful because like, I could never imagine now I am not just, did I start my own business? I have two businesses and one is mentoring. And so I'm still teaching in a sense, just at a different level and at a different, I'm helping different people. And now I look back and I think if I never fought through the internal and external struggles I had, and if I never pushed through that resistance, I would never be where I am now. And so it definitely led to something more beautiful. Um, and then the other example I have is, 
something that I recently came to terms with in my business where I was a business mentor um, and I was just trying to help everybody, right? And I feel like this happens to a lot of people in the online space. You're afraid to like really niche down and pick a specific way that you want to go. Um, and for the longest time, that was me. I was helping anybody, didn't matter what income they were at, just if they want to help in business, I would help them. And it wasn't until I really took an internal look at myself where all my life I've had anxiety disorder and panic disorder and OCD and mental health illnesses, really. And I just never have spoken out about it before because it's something I've always been taught, especially in the education world, to keep personal because you don't want to show any signs of weakness and you know people will judge you, et cetera. And I realized that a lot of the people that I was attracting to my mentoring were people who had these mental health illnesses and I was able to help them on such a stronger capacity. I was able to help them in not just business, but be that safe place. And so even though I was absolutely terrified and I was scared to take that leap, um, definitely something beautiful came out of that when I really niched down and said, I am a business mentor specifically. I have anxious and ambitious women, but it's really for people who have mental health illnesses. I will help you build that business. And all those feelings you get, whether it's anxiety or whether you are having panic attacks or whether you're depressed that revolve around your business, we're going to find a way to work with each season of your business and we're going to find a way to thrive. And so that really turned out being beautiful and I cannot be any happier in the direction I went. <laughs> I love both <laughs> of those stories. Um, I have so much to comment on. So did you kind of I always think about niching down or niching, however people say it. I think it's oh, interchangeable. It's like potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for niching down, did you kind of fall into that accidentally? Because you said you had a lot of business owners that had the same struggles as you, or um, was it, I mean, how did you decide to niche and just be like, because you said you were scared a little bit and just say, I'm going with it because niching sounds so scary, especially when you're first starting out to some people because oh, yeah. it limits your income, right? It limits the people oh, you yeah. can help. So how did you officially decide to go that route? So the way I officially decided to go through that route was it was definitely scary, first of all. And sometimes even now I'm like, am I going the right direction? We all face that imposter syndrome. Um, But the one thing I really realized is when I officially niched or niche, whatever that word is, we never <laughs> know potato. when I, exactly. When I was really focusing on those people who have mental illness and specifically when we talked about growing your business, the connection we had were like, was like no other. I knew there was, in my mind, there was no such thing as competition because sure, there was other business mentors, there's other business coaches, but this is what made me stand out. I was able to connect with my ideal audience on such a deeper level than most people can. And so it, it made me realize that one, I'm not meant to work with everybody. I am meant to work with my people. And if I work with everybody, I'm going to burn myself out and I'm really helping. I'm not really giving my all into everything, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to help everybody in the market, then somebody's losing out. Somebody's not getting the 100% mentor that I am. And so when I really niche down to mental illness and people who have that mental health illness, um, specifically, and that's not saying when you niche down that you can't help other people as well. I have people in my program who don't have anxiety, who don't have depression, and they just really connected with me on a level. And I said, come on in, right? And that's that's one thing I always say to my clients is when we niche down, it's so, so scary to us, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything else. It 100% doesn't mean that. But really what made me niche down was realizing that if I tried to help everybody, I was going to burn myself out. I was going to 
work myself too much. And I was not going to put my all into my clients. And I was feeling that deeper connection with people who also had mental health illnesses, because I was able to be that safe place for them. I was able to relate to them on a different level that others business mentors were unable to. And I realized that what I believe was my weakness was actually my strength. And so I always push my clients to find what their strength is in business, because something does set you apart. And usually it's something that you're resisting to come to light. It, it always is. It's something that you have in your mind. You think, yeah, this is what it is, but you fight that because you don't want to let it shine. You're afraid of what people are going to think about you, but that's what's going to set you apart from everybody else. Wow. Deep words of wisdom. I'm like, <laughs> shook. I'm like okay, we can end the episode right now. I've learned so much already. <laughs> Do you work with a therapist to help yourself? And then uh, another question that piggybacks off of that is do you help people do you just give them tools to help with their anxiety or help with their depression or something like that related to business or how does the two kind of connect I know you can probably connect with them on a deeper level because you've experienced the same things as them but how do you help them in that specific way Yep. So one, I do work with a therapist. I have both a psychologist and a psychiatrist. I have been on, and I'm very open about my mental health illnesses. So whoever's listening to this, feel free. You can always reach out to me. You can always ask questions. You yourself can always ask questions. Um, but I, I do, I take medicine. I've been taking medicine since I was 16 years old. Um, it was at the point where in high school, I was people didn't think I would graduate high school because I could not even sit through a 45 minute class. I was having panic attacks after panic attacks and my attendance was just so, so low. So our last resort was to get me all medicine. And um, I've been on that ever since. So I do take that, but recently I've really looked into therapy as well to try to find ways to cope with anxiety when it comes up without having to rely on medicine to have those tools to help me. Um, so when it comes to business, I am not a licensed psychiatrist, psychologist or psychiatrist. So I cannot give like, you know, legal advice on how to treat your anxiety. I always tell people like, Hey, check with a therapist and all that. But what I can do is give techniques and tools that helped me specifically in business. So what I mean by that is when for some things in business that Many mentors will say, oh, like, you don't have to worry about that. Or like to many mentors, they kind of brush it off um, to people with mental illness. It, it's a real thing. It's a real fear. Um, one thing, for example, is niching down. A lot of business mentors will say, well, niching down. Yes, it's scary, but it's going to work out. Right. It's going to be OK. And that's not necessarily the case when you have mental illness and your mind, you're telling yourself the worst. You're telling yourself, no, I'm going to fail. And you're spiraling out of control. So finding those tools and finding that, talking it through really, and just really finding like, we're still going to do this, even though it's scary for you, we're still going to push through it, but we're going to find tools to also help ourselves with while we're tackling this big task that can really calm that anxiety, that can calm that OCD or if you're having ADHD, we're going to find tools that's going to help you focus on business um, when you're having those episodes where you can't seem to focus, all those different aspects. Thanks for clarifying. Now it makes so much more sense. So can you <laughs> explain the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? I can. A psychologist is somebody who gives you tools um, specifically like there's things like exposure therapy, there's things like breathing, et cetera. So they're giving you tools to help control your anxiety or any mental health illness There's somebody to talk to and they're going to give you that legal tools of what you can do to help um and then a psychiatrist is somebody who prescribes medicine so like my psychiatry appointments are literally five minutes they're like how you feeling i said i'm feeling good he says 
do you want to up your medicine? I said, nope. And he says, all right. And he signs me another prescription. So he's solely there for that medicine. Gotcha. You were talking about the two and that's kind of what I thought it was, but I just (laughs) wanted to define it (laughs) for further explanation. I want to go back for a second about your Mm -hmm. first example of path of resistance. I love that you kind of immediately knew whenever you showed up from your maternity leave that you needed to pivot. Um, I love how you said that you had both internal and external resistance. So, because I think that's so relevant to everybody going through any form of resistance, not only are you going to have external resistance, but you also have internal and vice versa. Um, So how did you kind of decide what to do ultimately and, and fight through both of those resistance? Yeah. So ultimately, and I'm not going to lie and sugarcoat it. It was hard. It was, mm-hmm. there was many tears. There was many times I said to my husband, I had my letter of resignation typed up for like two months. Like I eventually put it in about a year ago now, honestly. And I had it typed up since October and I was just really fighting with what I should do. Um, And ultimately what it came down from me is I talked to my husband about it and I made sure like, if I left, the classroom, would we be okay? Because ultimately, like, it's all, I'm all about taking that leap of faith, but you do have to make sure that you are going to be okay. You know, you have to make sure you have that security. And he was on board. So once I had my husband on board, I really, it came down to me and my heart and what I wanted. And when it came down for me, when I had to make this decision, I told myself, okay, I have my teaching license. Nobody can ever take that away from me. I will always have my teaching license. I will always have my master's degree. I'll always have my bachelor's. Teaching will always be there. But what's not going to always be there is my daughter being young and my daughter being at the age where she wants mom home with her and spending time with her. Um, And so I told myself, why not try this? The worst that happens in any case is that I go back to teaching. And the best thing that could happen is I have two multi-six-figure businesses, one as a mentor and one as a blogging coach, and I'm impacting lives daily. And so obviously we went with the second one, right? Um, And I, it's funny because sometimes I miss the kids with teaching, um, but they, the ones that I impacted, they're still in contact with me. They reach out to me on Instagram. They ask how I'm doing. Um, And really what I truly missed was that teaching aspect, that mentoring. And I found that new path in the way I was going, but I would have never found that if I didn't take that leap. I love so much of what you just said. (laughs) First of all, how you said that you had to think through like the security part. Is this really Mm -hmm. going to be okay? Because um, I mean, I don't think you're like a lot of business coaches. I think that you stand out in a very special way, but a lot of people, especially business coaches are like, just go for it. You know, everything's going to be fine, which maybe it will, but you have to think through that stuff logically. So I love Mm -hmm. how you said um, that you had to make sure the security was there. And then I love how you said that you had to think through all the scenarios, especially the part about the worst case scenario, because that's so true about like thinking through everything and then saying, okay, this is the worst thing that's going to happen is I have to go back to teaching, you know, if that's what it is, if we don't have that security or that security doesn't play out or whatever it may be. And I think that's so important. I always use that as a tool as thinking about the worst case scenario, because even if it's a huge decision, like uh, leaving a job and, and pivoting careers, or even like sending an email, like what if I send this email and the client responds in this way, what's the worst that can happen? They can respond in a certain way. And then the worst that can happen is they don't want to be your client anymore. And exactly. then you find a new client. <laughs> so and usually hopefully that's 
more aligned. Usually that, and that's a lot of the fears and the anxieties I get with the women who work with me who have these mm -hmm. anxiety disorders. Um, they have those fears of, okay, what happens if I do niche down? And I say, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is you have to go back to what you were doing, right? We know that was working. So if we niche down or niche down or whatever it's called, there's a good case scenario. What's that good case? And what way, what outweighs it? And when they're worried about a client, like you said, what's that worst case scenario? If I send an email and it's worded this way, the worst thing that happens is I lose this client. There's literally millions of other clients right now. The online space is booming. And so thinking about that, what's the worst case scenario really, really helps when you're feeling that resistance, um, help you make a clear level headed decision. Because yes, you definitely do need to weigh your pros and cons. You need that security. You need all those things, regardless of what other coaches and mentors tell you, you do need to do what's best for you. You do have to look at finances. You have to do all those different things and there's nothing wrong with that and never let anybody pressure you otherwise. <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, so whenever you talk to your clients about niching down, how do you kind of help them find the niche that they're wanting to go towards? Oh, that's a good question because we do a lot of soul digging. I have this um, worksheet I give them and it's called find your passion worksheet. And I give it to people outside of my program as well. Um, it's like $11 or something like that, but it's 23 basically journal prompts where you really dive deep into what your passion is. And I'm saying like, we, we ask questions such as, what do people come to advice for you for? If I told you right now to talk for 40 minutes, what would you talk about without any prompting? And really it comes down to what is your passion? And that's something like so many people ask you, they'll say, oh, just go after what you love to do. But that's hard for people to really decide. It's hard to figure out what your passion is. So we really have these journal prompts and they all kind of like, if they're listening to this right now, they're which I'm sure they are, they're probably cursing at me saying, oh, God damn that journal prompt. I hate it because it really makes you dig deep. Um, and I've gotten so many comments about how they never really considered taking this direction with their business before until these journal prompts, but they always come out happier. Um, because niching down, it doesn't have to be necessarily a service and it doesn't even have to be a certain type of person, like an avatar. It really comes down to values, who you want to work with value-wise. Like for example, me, I really value a sense of community, a sense of family and a safe place for women who have those anxieties and they also want to be successful in business. Those are all values, right? So it's not necessarily I am a business mentor for copywriting. That's a niche too, but you can niche down with values as well. I know I love everything that you've already said, but this <laughs> is probably my favorite because um, I, whenever I talk to other business owners about what my niche is, I talk about, I really try to focus on getting service-based clients, mm -hmm. which are people who don't have physical products. And I really try to get women-based businesses. And that is my ideal client. But if it was between a woman-owned service-based business, say like a photography business mm -hmm. or a man-owned tire business, and they were, you know, I... I would want to lean towards a service-based business, but if that owner was rude and hard to work with and unethical versus yep. the tire shop owner who has great communication skills, who is super ethical, because that's so important to me, I would rather go for the client who has the tire shop, who is against, you know, my typical client that I take. So I love mm -hmm. that you talk about values. Um, on that note, how do you 
help people market that if it's like I mean do you tell them on on the website say I look for people who are ethical and good at communicating or like because it's not like service-based businesses that's something easier to say than an ethical organized communicative Mm -hmm. person Absolutely. So that all comes down to your messaging and wherever you show up with your content. So for example, I'm going to use one of my clients now. She is a virtual assistant for ambitious women. That is a very specific niche, but also it is using a value that she really feels embodies what she does. Um, So with her content, we really use keywords that draw people in. We talk about empowerment. We talk about how you always want to do the next thing. We talk about basically thinking, okay, if I am an ambitious person, what would I be thinking? And then we create content around that. We put ourselves in our ideal client's shoes. So we embody what values that person has and what are they thinking right now? And we create content that pulls them in. Whether that content is podcast, whether it's blogging or Instagram posts or your stories, really creating content that pulls in that ideal client and using those keywords. And yes, that might put some people out. People might be saying, well, I'm not looking for the next thing, but that person's not ambitious. That person's not your ideal client. So really figuring out who it is you want to work with. Gotcha. I feel like I need to go back and redo my website now because you've given me <laughs> ideas on how to word stuff and it's it's all coming to me. <laughs> so going back to your journaling prompt, I sometimes struggle with even when I'm given a journal prompt of actually going that deeper depth. And so um, if, for example, you have a question from that prompt and the person's like, oh, well, here's my answer and it's pretty shallow, do you, or I'm struggling going deeper. Do you work through that with your clients to go that deeper depth? I was going to say, well, let's just say that if you buy the worksheet and you're not in my community, then I can't push you, right? I can't push you to go further. But if you're working either in private mentorship or you're working in mini mind or eventually mastermind, if you're working in close proximity with me, you better believe I'm asking you follow-up questions. I mean, just think about this podcast episode, how, how much we're following up and how much we're, you're challenging me and I'm challenging you. That's what we really do. So I can take, what I like to do is they can put a base answer, but we're going to dive deeper into that. So if you say something, for example, what can you talk about for 40 minutes without prompt and you say motherhood? Okay. What specifically about motherhood do you like? What are, what are, what do you struggle with when motherhood? What do you love about motherhood? What do you love talking about in motherhood and really diving deeper into that and really getting to the root of what your passion is, whether that's a value, a certain profession or a certain service that you can provide. Okay. (laughs) I, it's, I need to buy that from you because that sounds amazing. I just need to challenge myself to go deeper and deeper. So another thing that you said earlier is that if you didn't niche down that you would feel burnout. So I know you probably help your clients with that. And it's such a buzzword right now. So can you define that in your own words, what burnout actually is? Yes. So burnout for me, my definition of it is when you're not putting your all into your business or into your client work because you are feeling tired, you're feeling really unmotivated. So I guess that would be the way I would define it is feeling unmotivated in either your business or helping your client's business. Okay. That's a great definition. I love defining things. It just brings (laughs) so much more clarity. So what is the cause of burnout that you see in your clients? 
honestly, oftentimes there's a couple of things that cause burnout. One is not doing what you truly love to do, not following that passion. Um, because instead what you're trying to do is you're working out of a place of scarcity. You're working for money. You're saying to yourself, well, I need to make 3K a month in order to live. And so you're taking on any client that you want, or you're posting content that's not resonating with you. And what that's doing is putting you further and further into that scarcity mindset. Because now when people don't convert, you're thinking, well, what did I do wrong, right? Or when people aren't knocking on your door saying, I want to work with you, you're sitting there thinking, well, what can I do differently? And you're never truly satisfied. Well, if you're coming from a place of passion, even if you're not getting clients, you're still loving what you're doing. You're still showing up. You're still excited to show up. That burnout isn't going to be as in your face. Of course, we all are still going to have imposter syndrome. We're all still going to have feelings of being like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? Right. But when you're following your passion, even when you have those thoughts and those feelings, you can take a step back and realize like, but I'm not doing this for others. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it validating myself. And of course we need money, but when you're doing something for yourself, that success is going to come. Whenever you say that people are in a scarcity mindset and that's mm -hmm. what kind of limits them in branching out to work on their passion, how do you bridge that gap of, okay, I need $3,000 a month to live, but if I market right now for my ideal client, I'm not getting that niche client that I'm looking for. So how do you kind of bridge that gap to survive financially, but not just taking any client and getting further away from your, your passions? Yep. So a couple things. One, if we have somebody who doesn't have a client whatsoever, this is probably, I'm sure if my coach is listening to this right now, she's saying we're thinking, don't give them that advice. But <laughs> if you don't have a client whatsoever, then yes, take on anybody who is willing to work with you. So that way you have that income coming in, but also you can gain that confidence confidence. And in the meantime, as long as you have that one client and you're working towards your goal, we can do other things such as setting up a product suite. So a product suite is so important because everybody that comes into your community, they might not be ready for that high ticket item, right? They might not be ready to drop $4,000 a month. But maybe they're willing to buy an $11 worksheet called Find Your Passion Worksheet. And once they're in your product suite, they're going to keep on consuming your content because they see how much value they get out of working with you for just $11 or maybe a freebie or maybe a $200 course. And they're going to work their way up to those high ticket value. But at the same time, you're income stacking. You're bringing in, if five people buy a, or let's do it easier math, if four people buy a $50 resource, that's $200 a month plus those people are going to end up converting into a higher product and so you can add up, right? So if there are four people buying that $50 product, you have one person who's doing your full-time service at $500 a month and three people who bought a $200 course, well, very quickly, you're approaching that 3K mark that you're trying to meet. And so it sounds like you're kind of coaching business mentors. Is that who you coach or is there other, is it business owners in general, like course creators or other business owners? Uh, I have pretty much a variety of everybody in there. I help business mentors. I help service providers because everybody, you can have a product suite, regardless of what you do, you can still have a product suite. For example, bookkeeping, right? First thing that came to my mind, why is that? With bookkeeping, you can still have a product suite where you have your done for you services, but you can do other things such as an audit, such as how, if you want to do your own numbers, what can you do, right? What kind of course can you provide? So you can still have a product suite regardless of what you do. You don't have to just be a mentor. 
Gotcha. Okay. So what are some signs that people might be experiencing burnout if they're, I want, sorry, I'm like jumping around, but I wanted to go back to that burnout. What, how can people say I am definitely experiencing this or it's something else? So burnout, there is, and that's a good question because there is definitely a difference between burnout and just feeling tired, right? And I think oftentimes, especially nowadays, people use that word burnout so loosely, there is key differences. So one, I recognize burnout when you stop showing up. So I can always tell when one of my clients is starting to burn out because they stop showing up into our Voxer chat. I don't see them all of a sudden, or they aren't active on Instagram as much. The other thing is when you're starting to feel really tired. And what I mean by that is not just, oh, I could take a nap, but like, Physically, your body feels heavy. Your mind might feel like brain fog. You are having trouble concentrating. And then lastly, the big sign is when you are starting to resent your work. Something that used to light you up, you're sitting there thinking, I don't really want to show up today. I don't want to go on that one-to-one call. I don't want to market myself to get another client. And feeling that not just once, but continuously. Because of course, we all have days where we're like, I don't want to freaking do this, right? Me too. But if you're having multiple days where you're feeling that I don't want to do this, that is burnout. And we really need to take some time to take care of ourselves and reset so that way we can put our all into it. Well, I'm glad that you explained the difference between those because, and you kind of said that burnout was loosely, you know, thrown out around a lot, which I agree. But I think another term that's loosely thrown around a lot is self-care. So do you mm-hmm. think self-care can, uh, and there's so much back again, we need to define what self-care is, right? Because there's so many <laughs> different types, but do you think that self-care in the fact of a short term, oh, I need to go get my nails done, or I need to go have a massage, or I need to take a one day break or whatever. Do you think that could solve burnout? Or do you think it has to be a longer term solution? So in my opinion, I think self care is going to look different for everybody. Um, Somebody maybe it will cure like getting your nails done, it all depends on what self care is to you. However, I do think if you are experiencing true, true burnout. We need to look at more, more than materialistic things. We need to look internally and discover what can we do for ourselves internally. Maybe we're setting, maybe we need to set up boundaries. Maybe we need to relook at our business and restructure it so that way we're spending less time one-to-one and more time with our product suite. So finding really what is that deep level and how can we address that within our business so we don't experience that burnout. But that being said, of course, if somebody if you're feeling tired and you want to get your nails done, go for it, right? Do what makes you happy. But then also if you continuously feel this burnout, like if it's more than once, then let's look at that route. Let's look at it internally. I like how you said the less material, let me say it again, <laughs> less materialistic stuff and more the internal, how you're feeling and maybe setting boundaries and stuff. So do you, before someone even hits the burnout phase whenever you see maybe the early signs is there things you can do to avoid it like you you talked about restructuring stuff Absolutely. So one is that product suite. I am anybody who's listening to this who is in my community knows how much I stress your product suite because you have your high ticket but then there's a way of still making income without having to work more. So that product suite for one, we can always work on that. But two, and one thing I wish I did differently when I started my business that I always 
try now to have my clients do is start with your boundaries before you really build a business, before you start offering things, write down what are your boundaries in business, right? How many times a day do you want to meet with people? How late do you want to be working? How often are you going to check Boxer? Are you going to have office hours? Write down those things that are important to you and then build your business around it. And that's one thing I didn't do. I built my business and then I established boundaries. But now that's hard because now you're in this routine of breaking those things that are important to you. And so whenever I have somebody, because I work with people who are trying to make 30K months and I work with people who are trying to hit 1K months. So when I have people who are in the beginning stages of their business, we start with boundaries. We start with write down everything that you want your business to look like and then let's build the business around that. And when I work with somebody who's hitting 30K months, we have to work backwards, which is a little bit more of a pain in the ass, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally understandable because it's hard once you go past those boundaries to reel it back in and be like, oh, well, I used to respond at, you know, 530 at night, but now I'm not going to. So exactly. um, that's really important. But I do have a, a vital question about even if you go through the process of writing down your boundaries, how do you if you are a people pleaser, especially, how do you stick to those boundaries? Oh, that's a good one. And honestly, I need to do better with this myself. <laughs> I'm a people pleaser. And again, you'll hear, I just messaged my community. We had a mini mind call and they had a question there and I couldn't think of the answer. Like I told them, I was like, it's on the top of my, like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't figure it out. And then I'll tell you what, it hit me at 2.30 a.m. And I Voxer messaged them <laughs> at 2.30 a.m. with the answer. And one of them messaged me privately. I was like, are you kidding me? You preach boundaries, but here you are. It's 2.30 a.m. And it's because ultimately I am a people pleaser. And so I think the one thing, and so obviously I'm not very good at this, but the one thing I try to always give advice to my clients is I tell them you can't give your all to your clients if you're not giving your all to yourself. And so, yes, is somebody going to be a little bit annoyed if you say no to them? I'm sure they will. But ultimately, that's going to help their business more because you are taking care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself, you can give 1000% to them. And this kind of goes more towards the mentoring side of things rather than the service providers. But not only that, but you're teaching your clients how to coach themselves. As a mentor myself, and I tell my clients this all the time, my ultimate goal is that I want you to be able to leave my community. I want you to be able to coach yourself through things. And so if I'm not answering you at 10 p.m. and you have this emergency with a client, you're able to take the tools that I have taught you and you're able to figure it out on your own. And that's going to make you a better business owner. That is really good because even I have a bookkeeping business coach and even me, sometimes I'm like, oh, I have this question and I need to ask her. And, um, and I think, am I depending on her too much to answer this for me? And so that's good. Like advice for myself, I'm being selfish right now and taking your advice on the podcast, but I need to remember to coach myself through those things. And then I could always compare what she says later on to what I, the outcome I got, but that's, and that's what I, that's what I love is when one of my clients do coach themselves and then they ask me the question, I give it to them. They're like, oh yes, that's what I said. And I'm like, perfect, right? And the thing is, there's no right or wrong answer. Just because your mentor gives you one response doesn't mean that they're always correct because you have to find what resonates with you. And I, I think that's the difference between a mentor and a coach is a mentor is there to mentor you. They're going to give you the tools, but ultimately it comes down to you because you're in control of your business. I don't control your business for you. 
nothing I give you is going to make you hit. Well, that's a lie. I can give you the strategies to hit 30K months, right? I can give you those tools, but it comes down to you to implement them. And so if I'm not guiding you on how to do it, you, well, I don't want you to leave my community and then have an income dip. I don't want you to go from 30K months to saying, I'm going to not invest in you this month. And then you go down to 5K months. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to create something that is going to stick with you even when you leave the community. I feel like I still need at some point and probably everyone listening still needs some sort of community to talk through because mm-hmm. it's so funny. But um, even when I coach myself, uh, I tend to be almost too introspective and I can ask my husband a question and then tell him my answer and then be like, but what about this question? And then tell me answer <laughs> that one. And he's like, if I'm just quiet long enough, you'll have a whole conversation with yourself. <laughs> oh, I do that all the time, all the time. And it's funny. Cause like I'm the same way. I will always invest in my business. I will always be part of a community. Um, I'm part of like three communities right now. And it's just because, and honestly, I don't even show up. Sorry. Tay, if you're listening to this, my coach, I don't even show up to the coaching calls often. It's just being a part of that community, having somebody in your back pocket that is going to be there for you and knowing that you have somebody who relates to you in business because business, especially online business is really freaking lonely. And just knowing that somebody is there for you if you need them. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way this year because I, I've i always known I'm an extrovert, but now I really know. <laughs> and I call it human interaction. I have to like schedule my human interaction because I don't want to push all the pressure onto my husband for that need of human interaction. <laughs> but um, We've talked about so many great things today. I want to wrap it up by asking for a book or resource that's really helped you in your business or something just generally in life. That is a good one. So I really enjoyed the book and I'm sure a lot of people have read this one, but if not, Atomic Habits, that one's a really good one. It teaches you habits with um within your business that are shown to be atomic, the show that have success. Um, other than that, I really just enjoy listening to podcasts in general. Um, like I'm just a podcast person. I will always recommend my own, first of all, obviously, Ambitious and Abundant. Um, but I also really love your podcast and I love listening to my coach, Tay Daniels. Hers is Breadwinner Energy. Um, I love listening to a spiritual coach of mine who just started her own podcast. I forget what that podcast is called. That really helps me look at my mindset and my spirituality and how my past traumas have carried over to what I'm doing today in business. Um, I can just go on and on, on Demi's diary. I just love me some podcasts. I just, honestly, I just look up business podcasts and then I probably listen to every single person's podcasts ever in mankind. <laughs> I can totally relate. I'm such a podcast junkie and I'm, I actually, that should be a, I should say what's a book or podcast or resource because that's such a great resource that people can listen to on the go. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like audiobooks, but podcasts are normally more um, conversational and less boring. I hate to say that. Oh, it depends yeah. on the narrator for the audiobook. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And honestly, for me, I'm that type of person. And this comes with the ambitious and anxious business owners. This is why that's who I help. Um, I'm somebody who I'm ambitious and I always feel like whenever I have free time, I need to be doing something to better myself. And so podcast is the perfect way to do that because I can be working out and I can also be listening to something for my business. So I feel like I'm just somebody who needs to keep my brain active. And so that's the perfect way for me. 
Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up by asking where people can find you. And then I'll also link all that in the show notes. Okay. So the best way to find me is through my Instagram. That is Instagram.com dot uh, Mara <laughs> dot McDonald. So Mara is M-A-R-R-A dot McDonald as in the fast food restaurant. Um, from there, you can find a link in my bio that brings you to everything else in mind. My website, mini mine application, private mentorship, even that $11 worksheet. So I would go to my Instagram. That's the best way to reach me. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you, Mara. Thank you so much. I had a great time being here. Do you own a small business and need help with your numbers? I can help with that. Hi, I'm Carly Balti, owner of KW Accounting Services and the host of this podcast. Knowing your numbers is definitely in the top five things you should absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked, prioritize in your business. You might be scared because you think your numbers are a mess, but I can help you get them organized and keep them organized going forward. Go to my website, carlywelty.com, to book a free consultation call to get quoted. Are you just starting your business and you have more expenses than income? Even if you don't have room in your budget for a bookkeeper, I still have something that can help you. Look on my website to see if my DIY bookkeeping template is right for you. Right now, get 10% off my template with the code PODCAST. What a fun episode with Mara. Here's my takeaways. Number one, when you pivot in a big part of your life, like quitting a job, you'll most likely run into resistance from a boss, a friend, or even internally. Make sure to surround yourself with as much support as possible and believe in yourself to go for it. Number two, when you're making any decision, big or small, and fear comes up, use this tool. Think of the worst case scenario and then the best case scenario. This makes you realize that the worst case scenario is usually not as bad as you think it is, and the best case scenario is worth making the decision to obtain that. Number three, do some deep dive work to really find what you're passionate about so you can get clarity on your product or service. Consider niching down, and this might help with avoiding burnout. Number four, before you start offering your product or service, write down and establish your boundaries. This is super helpful, and I've somewhat done this from the start, but I could definitely improve upon enforcing my own boundaries. That's all I have for you today. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to rate and review the show. See you next time.